In Africa, there's almost no COVID, except Botswana, where they're seeing two relatively unique strains, BA4 and BA5. And if you recall, Omicron originated in Botswana. Welcome to the Rain Insights Podcast. I'm Emily Donahue. Let's listen as Rain founder David Lawrence speaks with doctors Fred Southwick and Bill Lang for our weekly coronavirus update. Fred and Bill, uh, again, welcome and thanks for spending some time. Let me lead off with uh, getting your perspectives on the recent court case overturning CDC travel guidelines. There's been a lot of publicity. Uh, certainly, there have been videos about people celebrating on airplanes that they can take off their masks. The Justice Department or the Biden uh, administration has decided to appeal, so we'll see where that goes. And obviously, there are implications in terms of rulemaking in the future if there's another pandemic. But more pragmatically, um, what should people be doing who are involved either in traveling for personal uh, purposes or for business purposes as they navigate the uh, airports, uh, airplanes, leaving planes, et cetera, et cetera? I've given a lot of a lot of thought to this, but then I'll, I'll let um, Fred is going to talk on the talk about the plane part of it first. But let me just say on the um, legalities of this, um, I was I was actually very much involved in this when I was at the Department of Homeland Security because I was the interface between CDC and DHS, specifically TSA. I think that when this gets into the higher level courts, they're probably going to find that CDC does have the authority under the U.S. Public Public Health Service Act from, I believe it's 1944. Um, It's a pretty broad authority that CDC um, or the U.S. Public Health Service technically has been given to prevent communicable disease in interstate commerce. Um, This was all an argument over process, not... Um, not the not actually the the outcomes or what is the best. The argument was that they did not have the authority to do this without a, a, an appropriate rulemaking exercise. So uh, this has, this actually does have a very important consequences for the future. Um, what happens if we have another kind of outbreak? And so I'm, I'm hopefully this will get resolved. So Congress knows if they need to make another law. But let's get on to regardless of uh, the legalities of this. What should people be doing on aircraft? And I'll, I'll leave that for Fred. Okay, well, I, I happened to be traveling at the time this occurred. Uh, and I the first uh, round trip, the first leg of the, of the trip was before it happened. And the second leg was after uh, this judgment. And I can tell you that 100% of people wearing masks on the first uh, leg of my journey and I felt very comfortable and I was not concerned. Although I always sit on the window seat, I never eat anything. I do not um, uh, get out of my seat um, and I quickly get out of the plane as soon as I'm done. And when I'm in the airport, I'm very careful uh, to uh, avoid, stay distant from others. And I wear uh, an N95 mask that's that's perfectly fit, has actually been fit tested for me and I don't take it off. Now, uh, the second leg of the trip, the return of the trip, uh, virtually, I would say, maybe 20% of individuals were wearing masks. And uh, the person sitting right next to me was not wearing a mask. People were walking down the aisle coughing without masks. And uh, I could not have been more nervous. 
if any of those individuals had uh, COVID-19, um, even though I was wearing a tight-fitting N95 mask, I could be at risk. Uh, this, this studies, though, show that the individuals that are high at risk are those that are near the index case. Uh, one or two aisles in front or one or two aisles behind. And there was a really uh, good study uh, from uh, of a plane in, uh, that was traveling uh, from uh, London to Vietnam where an index case was in the business class in this 10-hour flight. And he, the person was symptomatic and had a fever and a cough. And the attack rate in the business class was 75%. That is, 75% of those in that business class uh, became infected because the seats were all uh, within several rows of each other. And only two cases in an economy class. So it, it's uh, you're playing, when you go on a plane, when people aren't wearing masks, you're playing Russian roulette. Um, if you happen to sit near someone, if someone sits right next to you that's infected, even with, and I think with N95 mask, you're at high risk of becoming infected. If that person is a few rows away, uh, I think a mask would be protective. And if someone's more than a few ways rows away, uh, you're unlikely to get infected. But uh, the story, everybody says, well, the exchange rate of air is uh, 20 times an hour, and therefore we, the, the planes are, are sufficiently protective. We don't need masks. That simply is not true. All the studies show that is not correct. And that masks, when masks have, were implemented, there was a dramatic decrease uh, in cases. So uh, I think this is very unwise, particularly with the BA2 increasing in, in, in frequency recently and the incidence of infections is going up. This is the wrong time to end a mask mandate. So I'll... I'll take a slight counterpoint to that if I could, because um, I, I, I don't really disagree with, with anything Fred said, except that the difference that most of the data on the transmissions like the Vietnam flight had to do with, with long with long duration flights. Um, that's one thing and that was also most of that data came prior to vaccination. So we're at a situation where you know, on one hand risks have been decreased, but on the other hand, and as Fred noted, PA2 and now this BA2.12.1, which is even higher than the original Omicron, higher than the original BA2 uh, in terms of infectivity, uh, they're out there. So I kind of tend to, gr to group it into, into three groups, people who are totally don't care anymore, who are done with this, they're not going to do it anyway. Are they putting others at risk? Yes, possibly. Then there's the middle group. The middle group are people who are relatively risk averse, but they still pay attention. And at a minimum, at a minimum, they should wear masks during the uh, period in, in the boarding lounge, the boarding process while everybody else is boarding, until the plane has pushed back and started its engines. Because as Fred noted, the air turnover is about every three minutes or possibly even faster um, on many airliners. And, uh, and plus there's filtration, but you don't have any of that to a significant extent when the engines are not running because the, the whole air filtration uh, and movement system is based on bleed air from the jet engines. 
You don't have the engines running, you don't have that. So please at least leave a mask on during the boarding process and whenever the engines aren't running. Um, and then people who, are, who would wear masks and feel more comfortable with wearing a mask when they go to the grocery store, wear a mask the entire flight. Um, and if you're going to wear a mask, don't mess around with the cloth masks. Wear a good, high-quality N95, KN95, or KF94 mask that is as well-fitted as possible. A very important point Bill uh, raised is the duration of the flight definitely makes a difference. The longer the exposure, the more likely you are to become infected. So you want to avoid long flights whenever you can, particularly under when no one's wearing masks. Okay, let me uh, punctuate uh, a little bit with the uh, a summation. And, um, you know, we've, we've spoken before about the air filtration systems on planes. And um, if anyone has, you know, recently boarded a plane where everyone has their carry-on luggage and people are on top of each other, no less when they're leaving the plane, um, the proximity between people is very, very tight in the aisles, etc. You will not know who on the plane has been vaccinated or who's received a booster of any sorts. Let me turn to a separate important topic, I think, which is what's happening in China, what has been happening in Shanghai and some of the major cities, and the Chinese response to um, outbreaks of variants of COVID, and what are the potential implications globally, including here in the United States, uh, in terms of what you're seeing in the data and um, the illness reports uh, coming out of China. Bill, do you want to maybe start? What we're seeing coming out of China is that zero COVID is a fool's errand. Um, I think we found that in, in Australia also to a, to a different degree. Um, this is a a disease process that is going is so infectious that it, especially with the Omicron, the BA2, and subsequent subvariants, is going to break through routine protections. And having a degree of immunity in the population through application of a high quality vaccine, specifically that's not including Sinovac or Sinopharm, but a high quality vaccine together with uh, uh, a I think some degree of natural immunity from prior infection, controlled levels, and you're controlling it through the application of of reasonable uh, mitigation measures. The the layered the layered approach that we've talked about is what's most effective. What has happened in China, and we know about what's happening in Shanghai because Shanghai is such a cosmopolitan open city that has so many Westerners there working is Shanghai was just about shut down for three weeks. And then on Monday, it was reopened. By Thursday, they saw the rates going up again fairly rapidly. And they shut down again yesterday, uh, approximately 36 hours ago now, um, shut down pretty tightly again. Um, so they're, they've doubled down on the uh, on the zero COVID approach, um, they are shutting down and not letting people out of, of neighborhoods. Um, I think that in the long run, that's going to have huge implications 
uh, for their ability to control it because they're not going to have they're not going to develop the degree of immunity that they need to in the community to be able to have some degree of natural control. And then from a from an international standpoint, the issue is going to be supply chains. The supply chains have been been greatly disrupted. And we're finding that even supply chains that don't involve Shanghai are being disrupted because so many so many goods from China transship through Shanghai. So uh, this is this is very concerning. And the, the other uh, issue in China issue, so to speak, is Taipei. Very quietly, Taipei has become one of the uh, ground zeros right now for for COVID. Uh, they have one of the highest rates in the in the world, um, and without uh, all of the re- the resources to deal with it that a lot of the rest of the world does. Uh, so this the whole um, I don't want to say the whole Asia is issue. It's just really China, but other because other parts of Asia are emerging from BA two. Um, and really the only problem areas we're seeing right now are China and some, some other smaller countries of the world. Yeah, I, 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 the keeping people isolated in this way is the, the bluntest and most destructive tool for controlling infections. Uh, and it, it really should, it, I, it made sense at the very beginning when we didn't have vaccine, we didn't understand how it was transmitted. We didn't know, but now we know that masks are very effective. We know that if we can stay out of closed spaces, uh, that's very effective. And we know if everyone is vaccinated, the hospitalization rate will stay low. And those are the tools really that should be used and not uh, making people stay home and cutting off all social interaction. It's it's just not a long-term solution. And what happens as we're seeing is that no one develops immunity and there so you if you go to that if that's the way you control the infections you have to keep going back to that tool and it does a huge amount of economic as well as psychological and social damage and should i think in most cases at this point be avoided uh, any implications for uh, the us eu uk in terms of uh, the strains that are uh, rising up in China? None that I have heard. Uh, the, the, actually, the internationally, the one area that makes me go, hmm, is in Africa, there's almost no COVID, except Botswana, where they're seeing two relatively unique strains, BA4 and BA5. Um, and if you recall that Omicron originally originated in Botswana in at low levels and then migrated to South Africa, and then then from South Africa, being a very uh, cosmopolitan country, from there to the rest of the world. Um, so this BA4, BA5, it may not be have huge implications because places that have been affected greatly by BA2 appear to have good immunity against BA4, BA5. But if there was one area in the world where I'd be watching right now, it's it's Botswana and South Africa. So uh, with that, we can have two weeks when we continue the podcast. There'll be more to report, hopefully relatively good news. Uh, thank you both very, very much for your continued research, following of the issues, and um, I'll call it balanced and honest perspectives here. Thank you, David. Thank you, David. 
Dr. Bill Lang is an expert in public health responses to biological incidents, including pandemics. Dr. Fred Southwick is an infectious disease specialist at the University of Florida College of Medicine. Both doctors are part of the RAIN Expert Network. Individuals and organizations turn to RAIN for risk intelligence that cuts through the hype to focus on what they need to know, what to expect, and what to do. Sign up for our coronavirus solution. Visit us at rainnetwork.com. That's R-A-N-E network.com. I'm Emily Donahue. Thanks for listening.